Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Today on the show, we have the seatbelt psychic, Thomas John. Now, I call him that because that is the name of his brand new television show, which is on the Lifetime Network, and it's just brilliant. Thomas is warm, caring, down-to-earth, generous, and extremely accurate with his medium readings. Thomas is a graduate of the University of Chicago, where he earned a degree in psychology and human development with departmental honors. He also pursued research internships at Yale University and the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, where he was a lead research assistant on studies related to psychopathology and personality. During these internships, Thomas was the author of three peer-reviewed publications. He was accepted into graduate school programs in medical research, but became an intuitive instead. And we'll hear about his journey on the show today. Thomas is the author of his first novel, which is titled Never Argue with a Dead Person, True and Unbelievable Stories from the Other Side. Thomas John is viewed as one of the world's top psychics and is in extremely high demand globally these days. So I'm so grateful that he can spend some time with us today on our show. His website is mediumthomas.com. Thomas John, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Oh, thank you very, very much for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled. I first heard your name, oh, Men, a couple years ago, I suppose, and I thought, who is this guy? And then I like stalked you on the internet with everything I could find on YouTube, and lo and behold, here we are today. So I'm very happy. No, I, I, I am. You are a giver. You're down to earth. I love the TV show, and I think you're just a special, great human being. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I, I've actually watched, uh, listened to several episodes in the past, and stuff, so I'm very familiar with uh, your audience and your interviews yeah. and your book. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that. Well, let's talk about you, though. How does your story begin? Uh, I'm always curious if you were somebody who grew up with the gift, you know, or just, yeah, if you would just tell us a little bit about you growing up and then going to college and yeah. what happened to you now make you an intuitive. Yeah, I was, um, you know, I, I had a, I grew up in uh, Plainville, Massachusetts, which is just a small town. Um, if you basically are driving from Boston to Providence, right before you get um, to Rhode Island, you'll go through a small town called Plainville. And <clears throat> I was the firstborn and I had two younger sisters who were all four years apart. Um, my mom said that was designed so they only had to pay for one college at a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, I... All my earliest childhood memories are um, include, you know, seeing of the spirit world. And so I really have, you know, I, I know different people tap into their abilities in different ways. And I'm a believer that we all are actually mediums and psychics, just like we're all <clears throat> artists, musicians, writers, thinkers, creators. We just have to tap into that. So, but all of my you know, when I was young, I had these abilities and they were very, they were, you know, just part of my world. I, I never had any thoughts as a young boy, like, oh, I wonder if other people have this or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and really my primary thing was, was basically um, my grandfather visited me, who was my father's father. And um, I never had met him, um, but I felt very connected to him in the spirit world. And um, we had... Uh, many communications and conversations, which I shared with my parents. Um, and at first, um, you know, my parents were sort of like, oh, that's, you know, okay. And as it really became the way my mom describes it is as it became more real and more vivid and more clear that, you know, okay, this is not just something that he's making up in his head. Um, it was very scary for them and, and stuff. So that was kind of my initial, you know, experience as being a young boy. And uh, yes, I was, I, I do feel I was quote unquote, you know, born this way for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I was just born 
with that part of my, you know, I don't, my brain, my soul just open. So that's, mm. that's basically how it started for me at the beginning. Wow. And then did you nurture that growing up or did you just kind of put it to one side and, you know, life as a no. young person takes over? Yeah. Well, it wasn't really something that could be nurtured because um, my father was a violent, um, basically psychotic person. Mm. And so anything that deviated from his world, um, like, you know, if you, I mean, even down to like, if you, you know, smiled and he didn't want you to smile, if you, you know, wanted to get a piece of food and he didn't, you, he didn't want you to eat at that moment, he would just have like, he would just viciously uh, beat us. And that's oh. basically what happened. I, you know, I'm very open about my yes. situation with my parents. And um, I actually, you know, am a survivor of what was later documented by the police department and, and by the district attorney as the, one of the worst child abuse cases in uh, Massachusetts in their whole history. Oh. Um, and so when we left my father, when I was 13 years old, um, my, my mother finally, you know, got the courage after many years of dealing with this. And my, you know, my sister at that time was eight. My other sister was four. Um, um, well, 13, I'm trying to think, actually, it might have been, uh, hold on, I'm thinking, actually, I was 15, so we were a little bit older than that. Mm -hmm. We left in 1999, so I was 15. So, no, there was no way to develop anything growing up. I mean, my mm -hmm. father was so controlling about everything, um, down to, you know, when you can get up, when you can move, when you can talk, when you can go to the bathroom. So, I mean, definitely, like, it wasn't like, oh, by the way, you know, I talked to dead people, and um, right. like, oh, cool, you know, it was like, you know, that, and then my mother was just so fear-based from everything mm -hmm. that it was a lot of like, we have to go to the doctors, we have to go to the uh, priest, we have to go to the rabbi, we have to go to the therapist or something wrong with you, you've got to stop this. And then on top of that, you know, going to school, you know, and, and talking about it there. And, you know, I'm actually friends with some of my fourth and fifth and sixth grade teachers now. And they're like, well, we didn't know, you know, I've shared with this them now. I mean, they had no idea when I was growing up, they just were like, we didn't know what you were, I don't know, you just were re a weird kid, you know, mm -hmm. we were, you know, nobody talked about psychics and stuff in my town, or it was just was so different. Right. So, no, I just, you know, and then my, when, you know, finally, when my parents got divorced, I, you know, in the ninth grade, um, I was able to take a little bit of a deep breath and just kind of be like, "Ooh, you know, my father was, uh, we actually had to put him in prison because, the police became aware of what was going on. And so they, they, they basically charged him with child abuse and, and um, they documented it and they, they had to put him behind bars. Um, and my, I, that's kind of when my life actually started in terms of any sort of normal existence. Like I could have a friend, like I could, you know, you know, have a, have a candy bar. I could, you know, go have, you know, go to the movies, you know? So, I kind of got a little bit more relaxed to it. And then, you know, basically um, I graduated from high school and I just had this strong inclination to just get away from where I was living. I didn't want to go, you know, my mom was like, Oh, you should go to, you know, Boston university. I can visit you every weekend. I was like, Oh, I just wanted to get on the first plane out of there. So, mm -hmm. um, I applied to a bunch of schools. I applied to the university. Of Chicago, um, and I just had a deep knowingness. I had no idea why I applied there. I'd never even been to Chicago, but I did apply there. My guidance counselor told me, you'll never get in there. We've never had anybody accepted there. You really shouldn't even waste the $50 to apply. But I applied. I got accepted with a scholarship. And um, I went to the University of Chicago, um, which is a really wonderful school that I'm so blessed to have gone to. But it's also basically um, just a, a breeding pot for atheism. Nobody is religious <laughs> or really spiritual there. So um, that was another sort of journey. Um, again, you know, you can just visualize again, no, you know, I'm not thinking now I'm having experiences still, sure. um, I'm still, you know, spirits are visiting me. My, you know, my grand, my other grandfather has passed by this time. He starts visiting me, but again, no real language or anything like that. And to be honest with you, um, the turning point for me was really, 
you know, just as I became more aware of myself and, you know, with my own just beliefs and how I see the world and, you know, you go to college and, you know, your sexuality and you just kind of get in touch with yourself. And I started to realize like, wow, you know, I, um, I do, you know, I, I am, this is what I have. And a real turning point was actually, I believe it was when I was in either high school or college. I'd have to look back at the year. It might've been right on the cusp, but, um, you know, John Edward came out with his show and that mm-hmm. was a big deal. And my mom was kind of like, hmm, what do you think about that? You know, what, what's your thought? And I, you know, we kind of joke about it, but I said, yeah, mom, that's kind of what I've been trying to tell you for the last like 20 years that mm-hmm. you've been taking me to doctors. <laughs> so, right. um, that was when I kind of really could be more open about it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And then you chose to go into college. And I mean, I'm just thinking with psychology and human development and, you know, psychopathology and personality. Mm -hmm. I I can't help but think that comes from childhood, (laughs) you know, stuff we deal with makes you try to figure things out, right? Oh, totally. You know, I mean, I just, I had a deep desire to understand things, but my mother says that when I was very young, I always wanted to play doctor. Hmm. I always had an inclination. I would tell people I wanted to heal the world. I mean, this is like five and six years old. My mom said I would go to Christmas parties and say, people would say, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd say, I want to heal the world. Oh. And, uh, you know, my mom, you know, we even have, uh, Christmas videos of me, you know, I'm talking about, you know, Jesus and, you know, so, I mean, I think it's clear that I must have, you know, I don't know really how it all works, but I think I came here with certain imprints for sure. And, um, yeah. And so I, you know, I was definitely on that path, you know, um, did go to the university of Chicago, did really well. I was on this total sort of protege program to go into clinical psychology research and did very well, published a couple of research papers. But, you know, I, I kind of jokingly say, and, you know, it's kind of a joke, but it's also serious that, you know, the people in the spirit world, they're kind of like the mafia. Mm-hmm. And it's like once they recruit you, <laughs> they they decide that you're going to do this work. It's like any other path you try to go down, they just block it. And um, I tell that to my students all the time because I have so many people that come up to me and say, you know, how do you know if you're supposed to be a professional medium? And I'm, I'm like, easiest question in the world. You will have no other choice than to be pursued down that path. I mean, I ran, I'm a perfect example. I ran as far away from becoming a medium as I could. You know, um, I, I, I didn't go and take classes about things. I, um, I, you know, I, I did all sorts of just, you know, going in the other direction. I went, you know, the psychology department stuff. Then after I left that even, you know, because I, I stopped doing that for a while. And it's like I was working in bars. I was, you know, um, traveling around. I mean, I, w- I was a drag queen for a year. I mean, it's like, <laughs> How fun. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's clear that I was not like, yay, you know, spirit world. Right. Like, <laughs> no, I, w- I was like, ah, get it away. So they w- they just continue to reinforce, though. And every time I felt like I did something that was more in the direction of trying to push it away or shut it down or ignore it or pretend like it wasn't real, it would intensify, you know? So I really think if you have a, you know, of course we're all mediums and psychics in some way, but if you have the true professional calling to do this work, then it, it, you will not be able to escape it. It just will, you cannot, it will not happen. So Thomas, I remember I was at the point where I gained enough information about the afterlife that it's like I had to do something with it. I just felt like this moral responsibility, but like, I'm like, I don't want this responsibility. Like I don't want it (laughs) because people are going to think I'm insane. (laughs) And so I can't remember the title of the movie, but it was a new comedy that came out and they said, Oh, it's a comedy comedy. So I'm like, I'm going to take myself to this comedy. Well, yeah, it's sort of a comedy. There were some funny lines, but it was about this young man who gets cancer and all these people are dying and everybody's experiencing grief. And I'm like, to me, it was the spirit world saying, like, you're going to experience now what people are experiencing and you are that messenger and you're going to get out there and you're going to tell your story. So I couldn't escape it. Couldn't. So that's that was the turning point that Mm -hmm. I finally opened my mouth after watching that damn movie. (laughs) (laughs) Man. So did you go, did you learn 
about mediumship? Did you like, okay, I got this. How do I nurture it? I mean, how do I develop it? Um, or did you just go for it and start well, seeing you know, what works? Once I realized, yeah, once I realized that this is the path I really wanted to be on, mm-hmm. um, I did, um, you know, once I, once I, once I went on that path, um, you know, that was really when, um, yeah, that was, you know, once I went on that path, that was really, um, the, the way, um, there was no going back. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it just, the doors kept opening and stuff like that. At first I started to develop it. I I think really more out of curiosity, right. More out of like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this a little bit. You know, I'm going to um, do this a little bit, but I'm going to be honest with you. It became very clear to me right away that um, I was going to have to do this full time. It just, I just knew within a month of doing, you know, a couple professional readings and, you know, because I I finally got to the point where, you know, I experimented enough mm-hmm. and I, I was like, you know what, I'm getting good information. I, I can, I can do, a, I can do a reading for somebody and I feel confident that my information is good enough that I can, you know, if somebody says I want a reading, I, I can do it. You know, I'm not having issues of like doubting myself or I can't read certain people, you know, it's like I can do this. So as I started to do it, I started to say, okay, well, you know, I had to literally, um, you know, I was living in New York at the time when I finally started to kind of go out with it a little bit. And I, you know, I, I had to charge for the readings mm-hmm. because I would have to take time out of my job um, that I was working, you know, um, to, to, to do a reading. So I couldn't afford not to. So, and it just became clear within maybe the first month. I, I said, I mean, I looked at my book and it was just every day there was appointments every day there was 15 more phone calls so like i said again you know i think it's like the spirit world they start sending me people they start you know they they become involved in that and and that's really what happened man well i'm just so proud that you went for it and you i I watched you you work a lot with the helping parents heal organization and i I'm so fond of those people. They're just great. And I remember they set you up in a Zoom meeting room and you didn't know who you would have to read. And that was the first time I actually saw you for an hour doing a reading on a woman that you've never laid eyes on before. And to the degree of how specific you were bringing through her daughter, I just remember being flooded with goosebumps going, this is something special here. And I don't know who this man is, I don't know, but I'm going to support him and share him and love him and, you know, get the word out. Because in that single, uh, well, I think I watched it live, um, I really got that not everybody is going to have the opportunity to see you face to face or even on the phone. But that was a gift that can help just so many people believe that their loved ones are there. So, yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. And I, and I think that as mediums, you know, we, um, um, as a medium, you know, myself, I think that it's important, you know, c- to continue to push that envelope mm-hmm. of communication and, and the, you know, the, the, you know, the testing and the empirical side of things. I do think that is very important. You know, yeah. um, I was, I was reading, a you know, back from my psychology days, I was reading a book the other day about the history of, of psychoanalysis, you know, the, the, you know, the Freudian lay on the couch four times a week. And, um, and I've always had a passion and an interest in that type of psychotherapy. And I find it really fascinating, all the different things and um, the history of that sort of modality and stuff. And, you know, one of the reasons why that, type of therapy is not so prolific now is because there was a big time in the eighties and the seventies and stuff where the psychoanalysts were like, you know, well, we're the best there is. I mean, we don't care about, you know, people popping pills and stuff. I mean, that's never going to be more, you know, in vogue than, than having an analyst, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and they, they, they kind of refuse to, 
you know, prove their theories and test themselves and things like that. And I think it was in it, you know, they talk about how in the movement that was very much to their demise. And I think that as far as mediumship goes, you know, that those types of things are important. I mean, sometimes it's annoying because you think I'm like, you know, especially myself, I'm like, okay, I've been, you know, I've been tested a million times. I've been doing this for 10 years Mm -hmm. and people are still, you know, want to test you and stuff. But I do think it's important for the work. Um, that that is done. And I also think it's important for the work that people who go out and say that they're mediums, you know, do things and act and behave in the way that is, you know, because it is a privilege and an honor and stuff. And it's important how you carry yourself because all that stuff becomes connected with us, you know? Mm -hmm. And it is so important to to keep pushing the envelope there. I mean, I've had, there's been people that want to be on my show and, you know, I'll give you a free medium reading and not, you know, who's going to say no to that. And one guy, right. he, he must have given me 1,000, <laughs> that's a word, like 100 bits of information, all incorrect. And then there was one piece that was like right on. But it, he's charging a lot of money. He's like, I'm thinking, and I don't want to badmouth him, but I do think you just can't hang up the shingle saying you're a medium. You got to keep practicing. You got to find out what works. And it just seems like you continuously go for it and try to refine it. And out of anyone I've ever seen, you have more accuracy and not generalities. And it's like, I just, whatever work that you've done, I just really commend you for doing that. And thank you. Cause I mean, I think for me and I, and I talk about this a lot, you know, I think that, um, it is, you know, about the sort of, you know, the personal development of things. Mm-hmm. And um, I have seen mediums lately, um, uh, you know, talk about that the personal development that, you know, because I, I have that happen a lot where somebody comes, you know, to me and they say, can you mentor me? You know, can you, and I'm, mm-hmm. I say, my first question is always, you know, well, what work have you done on yourself? You know, what it, you know, because I think that that's because it becomes, you know, as a medium, we utilize every part of our, our physical body, our soul body, our, our energy, it becomes a projection screen for which the work is done in a way when you think about it, right. Mm-hmm. You, know, yeah. you know, as a medium, the information really is coming through you. So if you have tons of, you know, crap, uh, you know, that's all in your energy and in your mind and stuff, you know, you are going to include that somehow in your readings. And to a, sometimes it can be helpful if you have personal reference points, but right. you have to be aware of how much you are, you know, you, you really have to kind of work on that. That internal work is so important. And, it, and it's not always easy to, you know, no. say like, I just, you know, you know, you have to, but it isn't very important um, if you feel like you have a calling as a medium, for sure. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, I'm not sure where to go next, except for I'm thinking of the TV show because I just binged watched all of them. Um, how, uh-huh. <laughs> how did that come about? And and just give it because some people don't know what it is, uh, the seatbelt psychic, but the talk a little bit about the premise for it, because here we are again, like, not everybody's going to get to you personally. Not everyone's going to see one of your videos, but everybody can watch TV. And I tell you, those episodes are transformational. Even though I'm not the person in that car to see the level of information that comes through. And, you know, you transform the people that are that are with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that really came out of... Um, when I was doing that, when I did that work, um, well, you know, basically what happened was this, um, you know, I happened to meet some people who were affiliated with James Corden and Mm -hmm. they kind of came up with this idea and they said, you know, we're looking for some ideas for other shows. Obviously you understand the connection of doing other shows in cars because of the carpool, Mm -hmm. you know, karaoke show, which has been successful. And we would, you know, we would love it if we could somehow you could do readings in a car. And I, I just cracked up laughing. I said, <laughs> that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. It is. And I said, there's, I said, there's absolutely no way I'm doing that. There's just no way. 
And they were like, well, why? I mean, this is an opportunity for a TV show. Now, leading up to this, I had been approached by every production company, every TV network, every this, with every, I mean, I I should write a book like the craziest ideas for Mm -hmm. psychics and TV shows. And they're all things I turned down. I was like, I'm not doing, you know, things that do not um, honor the work. You know what I'm saying? I'm not doing things that are not, with integrity. I'm not doing things where, you know, um, it, it is, it's like a magic trick. I'm just not doing that. I, I refuse. I don't care about being on TV that enough. And, and really I, I still don't, even right. though I have the show. So the, they said, well, why don't you just give it a try? And so, um, only because it was my really good friend, I said, sure. I'll, I mean, I can try to do it, but I just think the premise is kind of dumb. And um, we started to do it. And I started to realize after I started doing it that, you know, there's a lot of good potential here because I realized that um, the the main thing being that, you know, the number one question I get about psychic medium shows is, um, you know, are they, you know, are they real or not? Right. And people ask me that about every show. And I thought, what better way to really showcase the work than, um, you know, and, and my answer to that is always, I have no idea because I've never, I have nothing to do with any other show except mine. But I know on my show, um, because of the format of picking people up, there's, you know, there, this is really my first meeting with them. There's no producers involved asking questions before. There's no, so that really is, really was interesting to me. And I also realized that, you know, this is, you know, a lot of shows that you may see, um, and it's not anything bad, but a lot of shows that you might see with psychics, you know, the people that are coming are very much already believers, you know what I'm right. saying? I mean, just to be like, you know, totally true. Like with John's show, when he had that, you know, crossing over show, which was a great show, but everybody there was there to see him and they all probably believe, right? Mm-hmm. So this was a way for me to deal with a whole bunch of people that don't um, have any, you know, that who knows if they believe or not. And, and that's really what the reality of the world is that, like you said, I mean, there's people, um, you know, I, I just, I'm traveling around today and, you know, last night I stopped in through Flint, Michigan, and I was driving on the way to Grand Rapids and I started talking with this woman at a gas station and I told her about what I do. She was like, I have a, no idea what that, I never even heard of that. Like you, how do you talk to dead people? And really? I said, well, I'm a medium. You never heard. Yeah. yeah. She had never heard of a medium. She said, I, I, I never even heard of that. I didn't even know. She said the thought that somebody could talk to my loved ones, and they're a medium. I, I, I've never even heard of that. And, um, so, you know, there are people that have never heard of it, don't believe in it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I thought. That's kind of why I thought that the show was positive. Oh, it sure is. Cause you get people in and you're, you know, ride share driver. And I, I just think it's so funny. It reminds me of cash cab that people would get in the cab <laughs> and then it's a game show, you know, well, they get in your automobile and, yeah, do you believe in mediums? Do you believe in psychics? And yeah, some do, some don't. And, you know, are you open? And then if, you know, they're willing, you'll tell them who's with them. And I, I just remember the guy who I think he was a minister and he wasn't interested. He did, you know, no, I don't really believe in that. And then his wife came through with such specifics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when that man started to cry, I started to cry. And it's, you know, it's transformational right there in that moment. There's no way that guy could have been putting that on or be an actor or anything. And those, I tell you, sometimes when you get goosebumps, it's like, that's truth resonating. It's like, that's the real deal, you know? And so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I love it. And is it just the eight episodes right now? Are there more to come? Yeah. We're actually in talks about some exciting um, things and um, you know, so yeah. So for now it's just the eight, but we have a, um, a big, you know, to be continued there and trying to figure out some couple different things. So it's actually really exciting right now. Yeah. Yeah. I can't see how it wouldn't go on because it is awesome. And for our listener, it's on the lifetime network. And if you're the on demand person or, you know, watch things on your phone or iPad, you can pull it up. It's really, really good. It's great. 
And I'm like, I know Thank him. Thank you so I know much. Him. He's my friend. I haven't talked to him yet, but he's my friend. <laughs> what do you think now? Because, well, first I want to ask you, from viewing the show, it seems like you're seeing the loved ones or seeing the spirit world and they're talking to you and like almost as normal as you see regular people. I mean, how, how is your experience um, of witnessing these folks in the afterlife? Does that make sense? That question? Um, yeah. I mean, for me, it just depends on how they also want to communicate. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is very real to me. I mean, I've literally had situations where I'm like, I mean, I'm not exaggerating where I say, oh my God, is that person dead or alive? That's sitting wow. there? Um, so I will see them that clearly. Um, but a lot of times it's also through my thoughts. It, it, it is through my thoughts. And mm-hmm. um, that is the way the spirit, spirit will, will communicate um, through my soul too, just through my, you know, my physical body and just through my energy. Um, so it just depends. It's really... You know, I haven't really carved out what the rules are, like mm-hmm. why somebody comes through very vividly. Um, it's just like certain spirits come through and they talk a lot. Some spirits are kind of more like, eh, you know, they're kind of quiet, <laughs> you know. So it just depends. It's just a process. But I, I you know, I feel 24-7 very connected to, yeah, loved ones. And the, the moral, I think one of the big take-home messages for the show is that no matter what, our loved ones are with us. They are hanging out with us and they, um, you know, they're, they're, they're around. They're a part of, they're with us. So. Do you have any uh, concepts or ideas of what their life is like in the afterlife? Is it, do you think it's very much like ours? Do you think they're busy with us or are they kind of leading their own lives, but they can drop in on us? You know, because sometimes you think, are they always with us? Are they just there when they right. need us? Do you have any of your own thoughts on that or the bigger picture of life? You know, I, I think that their lives over there are as individual as our lives here. You mm-hmm. know, and I think, you know, that they are on their own journey over there that is driven more, the way I see it is it's more driven by the spiritual um, and less by the emotional. Um, whereas here, we're very driven by the emotional and really not driven at all by the spiritual. Um, and so, uh, you know, well, you, well, we are driven by the spiritual, but, you know, you say you figure the average person, let's just say, unless, you know, it's more of a conscious choice here. We're, we're on the other side. It's, it's more, to, you know, you go to the other side, you're very driven by the spiritual, if that makes any sense. And mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, people ask, like, do they have emotions over there? It's like, they do have emotional reactions to things, but it, it's just not the same as having emotions that we might have here. It's just, you know, it's just, it's different. It's not their primary way of connecting and communicating. So that's, that's pretty much what I would say to that. And, and, they, and uh, yeah, they, you know, they can connect with us in many ways and they, they can interact with us and they can talk to us and, um, you know, I wouldn't say it's like they're not around, but, you know, they're, they're available to us and accessible to us, but their job is to also, you know, allow us to have our own life on, um, on the, in the, in, in the, um, um, you know, in the physical world. And so their job is to not be, you know, 24 seven, you know, all over us, but you know, they, they, you know, yeah, they can interact with us and be a part of us. Sure. I love that. I, I think I just interviewed a lady who said, you know, we're all looking for signs. She says, you know, how about we start giving them signs, you know, talking to them like they're really with us and pouring a second cup of coffee or, you know, having conversations. And I think all of that can lift us out of the grief we may be feeling and, you know, kind of be a little proactive on it instead of just sitting here like, give me a sign. Right. Yeah, I think the more that we can, um, I think the more that we can, you know, try to directly communicate with them and, and, and yeah, and not be so like, let's say demanding on them, mm-hmm. the, the more that that opens up a certain, you know, path for sure. 
Mm. Now, do you think energy has something to play? Like when you said, what work have you done on yourself? I thought that was like a great question because so many times people say, you know, we got to raise our vibration, feel better for them to communicate. And you know, may or may not be true, but like when you do work on ourselves, I, I do think there's more integrity to us that we're more whole and complete. Um, and what are your thoughts of just, um, kind of being more complete ourselves or doing things that make us feel better to, instead of being in the doldrums of grief, which you can't help it if you have lost a loved one, but uh, do you think it makes a difference for our loved ones to come through or have signs if we're feeling better, if we have more integrity, that world? Yes. I mean, I think that it is, um, you know, there's a certain vibration with which the spirit world is at, Mm -hmm. and there's a certain vibration with which the physical world is at. And I think the more that we can really try to raise our vibration here, the closer we can be to having, you know, daily communication with the spirit world and just kind of be more on their vibration. Um, A lot of times I talk to people about this in the context of grief. Um, And I tell people that, you know, just because somebody, um, you know, you know, the spirit world, you know, they understand about grief and they, you know, and, and of course, you know, they want to visit you and connect with you. But when you are really struggling with grief there is a blocking that happens with your energy and it is harder for people in the spirit world to communicate because it, it, it just is because it, it, there's more for them. There's a thicker wall for them to penetrate. Mm. So um, what I tell people is, is it, you know, if people say, well, you know, when I have bad grief, you know, that's when I need my loved ones. Um, and certainly they understand that, but it is a metaphysical truth that when you know you have more grief, more negativity, you know, it you know, I know that for example, when I you know, on the flip side of things, I know when I was, you know, in my early twenties and like I said, running away from my gift and doing all sorts of crazy things, it did kind of block them out a little bit. And 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 it and it was harder for me to communicate and I didn't feel as connected to my loved ones and things like that. So I, I do think there is a vibrational, um, you know, there's a vibrational sort of temperature to all of us, a vibrational level that we're all at. And, you know, people in the spirit world are on a higher vibration and they have to, you know, they have to kind of lower their vibration a little bit to connect with our vibration. We have to raise our vibration a little bit to connect with their vibration. So that is something important that we want to be mindful of. Do you think they have to learn how to do this and from the spirit world side? Yes. They teach them how to communicate. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do to an extent. Yeah. I, I've actually had that happen with at many of my events when I do my large events. And what, you know, what I noticed when I was doing my large events is I would see, I would see thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of souls at my large events, or I would see, I would do a private reading for someone and I would have two or three contacts, but behind them, I would see two or 300 souls. And so one time I asked my spirit guide, I said, why are all these other souls here? They never come through. They just kind of, and they said, Oh, they're learning how to do this. They're they're new souls that just came and they're, they're learning how to do this. So I, I do believe there's a little bit, you know, some are better communicators than others. Um, some, uh, you know, it is, some, it does seem to have a more natural inclination to communicate. Um, so it really, I would say it just really, really, really depends. Um, but you know, yes, there, there, you have to learn a little bit to a certain extent. Mm. I don't know why I'm thinking this, but do you buy into the notion of reincarnation? And I'm not saying I do or I don't, but I'm just curious. Um, yes, I do believe that a soul reincarnates. I mean, I believe that energy, you know, can't die. So, um, yes, I do believe that, um, yes, I do believe in reincarnation. I don't believe it's an automatic process. Mm -hmm. 
I don't believe that you die and immediately reincarnate. I think that would be sort of, um, that, that I don't really believe that, but I believe that one choice and one path that a soul can have is yes, to decide, you know, that they, they want to reincarnate. Sure. Yeah. I I'm with you on that. And I just, has been a big debate with people that I know recently, but you know, the big question is I, I've gotten from some of my listeners if there is reincarnation, you know, how can I go to a medium if that person, my child's already reincarnated? And I'm thinking, well, I don't think it happens that fast. Or there might still be a part that of the soul. That's one answer. That's one answer. Yeah. But also, um, that would be one answer because it does take some time, usually. Um, um, and I've been told that most souls, again, there's exceptions to every rule, so I don't, you know, somebody mm-hmm. say, oh, well, I, you know, but 50 to 100 years is normally how long a soul will take. To reincarnate. So most people, you know, you, if you lose somebody, they're, you know, they're not coming back soon. Um, so, and, re, you know, so um, that would be that. But as it's sometimes longer, sometimes less. But also, we can, you know, let's say you want to connect with, I'm just using this as an example, but let's say you want to connect with, well, let's just say somebody who lived, you know, a thousand years ago mm-hmm. um, or 500 years ago. And it's, you know, you think, well, they probably have already come back as a medium, you know, that, that soul record and that soul existence of that lifetime from 500 years ago, even though that person is already back in, in another body and maybe has come and gone three more times since that or whatever, 10 more times, we can still tap into that soul and that soul can, you know, we are, we, and we know this just from, from our understanding of even, you know, physics, but we, you know, our soul and our energy is not limited and localized to one body. We can, our soul can be in many, many, many places at once. Mm -hmm. So it is feasible to imagine that somebody who loses their child or their, you know, whatever their mother is, if that soul decided to immediately reincarnate, they could still tap into that soul through a medium on the other side, and that soul would talk about their life um, with that person in the context with which they know about it. I mean, when you think about it also, too, I mean, our soul, souls that have left the physical world, I mean, they have totally new jobs over there. They have totally new descriptions over there. They have totally new language and systems of thought over there. But when they come through in a me- through a medium, you know, they talk about the life that they had here. Right. So, um, you know, they're not going to come through and say, um, oh, I'm on the other, you know, I mean, they, they may talk a little bit about that, but the, the information they're going to bring through is going to be evidential so you know that it's them. So you can, that's one way to think about it too, is that somebody could reincarnate a soul can, but because we're multidimensional beings, that soul could still come through a medium and be commenting on their life here, you know, mm-hmm. uh, their life that they had with you. I mean, that's feasible to imagine. I think it's hard. Well, it's impossible for any of us to figure out the truth because we're using our human minds to do it when there's a universe of knowledge. So, and, and then for as many people as ever roamed on planet earth, which is billions upon billions, you know, everybody's different. So I don't think there is one answer, but I think from all these conversations personally that I've had and possibly for you too, you find your own truth and you find that which empowers you in your life. Right. Exactly. Yes. And I think that as you, you know, as you listen to things more and more and more, um, yeah. And I, I think it is even, you know, I think it's even different for, you know, certainly for, I think it's different for certain souls too. Mm-hmm. I agree. Thomas, what are you most passionate about these days? What are you up to? What can I, can we share that you're doing? Um, I know you are doing a lot. So what gives you the most Yeah, pleasure? mostly my focus right now is on my, um, on my events. Um, I do large group events where um, people come and they have the opportunity to receive a reading or ask a question. 
Um, so that's really taking up a lot of my time right now, just planning all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I've been very excited about, you know, sharing that. So mm-hmm. yeah, and, that, and we can find out more on your website about your events. Is that correct? Um, yes, I have all of my events right on my website, mediumthomas.com. Mm-hmm. And you still do private readings, don't mm-hmm. you? Yeah, you're a busy man. Yeah, um, it's a little bit, you know, um, another format that I have that's, you know, very much in a way very similar to a private reading and is a nice feeling for people too is I, I came up with a couple years ago these thing, uh, things called spirit circles. Okay. And um, basically, they are, I call them that, and they're a group of about eight people. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody does get a reading. It's two hours. Um, A little bit more um, cost than a normal gallery reading. Right. Um, But it's, 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 you know, it's it's great because there's less of a weight. Um, You know, you're going to, you know, you get to do it in person, whereas most of my um, readings now are phone or Skype, and um, it's good. It's it, you know people get a lot of out of it, and there's the sharing and the camaraderie of other people's messages, and you get to you know you around like-minded people. And there is something that's very you know feels very positive about that. Mm-hmm. I want to ask, how did you get in, introduced to the Helping Parents Heal organization? How did I get introduced? Yeah, um, I'd have to think about that. I think it was really um, through, well, one of my assistants that helps me um, actually does some work with them pretty pretty regularly. And um, I think it just kind of came from that. I can't remember if she started working with me before that happened or after, but I think it was just a word of mouth thing. and, um, you know, I think maybe somebody mentioned me to them or something like that. But, you know, I think, yes, they're a phenomenal organization, um, uh, you know, really caring people. Um, and I've sent them so many, um, you know, new members, too, because every time I do a reading for somebody that and, you know, it's interesting because sometimes people just they're like, oh, I didn't even know that existed. And, you know, people people love that they have that shared connection and stuff. So, yeah, that that. No, I haven't done a, you know, I haven't only been with them for about, you know, maybe doing some stuff for them for the last like six months or so, mm-hmm. but yeah, they're just phenomenal. Yeah. And you do a lot of giving and I thank you for that because that organization too, if you are someone whose child has passed into the spirit world, helpingparentsheal.org, a lot of grief support, but also with the belief that the afterlife is real. So it's just a great group of people and I tell you, I, I know your generosity, Thomas, and thank you for that because it's it's your TV show, your gallery readings, your it, just being out there and open and willing to help. Yes, not the whole world may not be one on one with you on Skype or on the phone, but your level of mediumship really is something so special to me because I've seen a lot um, that it, just witnessing it is like okay that guy's wife's there, that child's there, my dad's around, my grandmother's around, my animals are around. Um, Yeah, so thank you, really. I I know you live in your own skin, so you're just you doing what you're doing in life. But from an outsider who's really, really can appreciate what you're doing, and it's life-saving. I mean, it really is. There could be a person on the verge of suicide, and they see one of your episodes and go, oh my god, you know, afterlife is real. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think it, I think it can be very, um, hopefully eye opening for people. And I think that that's, you know, that's important. Yeah. That little boy that you were, were wanting to save the world. Like you are, (laughs) (laughs) you are, I was the same little girl. I thought like I was going to help Jesus when I got older and there was this big mission (laughs) for me to do. And I really thought I talked to Jesus and I may have, you know, but it wasn't going to happen until I was much older and to see what I'm doing now. It's like, huh? Interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as people, um, like I, I do also believe that we all, have mediumship within us. Like we're all souls having a human experience and we're all musicians. We're all artists, but you know, it takes some learning and uh, things to do to tap into it. Are there things, and I'm not saying everybody wants to be a medium, but 
Are there things that we can do as individuals just to help us be open to receive uh, messages or signs or dreams from our loved ones? Kind of tap into our own intuitive nature? Yeah, I mean, I think that the main thing is just, you know, really just, you know, opening your mind up, you know, reflecting, um, you know, pay attention to those signs, those synchronicities. Sometimes it's just so easy for us to, you know, sometimes it's so easy for us to just dismiss things, Mm -hmm. you know, and just to, um, and um, I think that that's very important, just you know, listening and just, you know, tapping in and, you know, hearing and things like that. That's very important. So, you know, I would say to that, um, you know, it just trying to kind of like you said, living your life with integrity, living your life with positivity, um, you know, and, and putting that out there. And the more that you do that, um, you know, the more that you will have these, you know, uh, experiences and stuff. Um, I find that the spirit world communicates a lot through synchronicity. So pay attention to, you know, the doors that they open, the people that they send into your life. Um, you know, the quote unquote, which are really not coincidences Mm -hmm. that happen. Um, those are very important because a lot of times it, it is, you know, it has to do with, you know, uh, be a message being given. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, sometimes looking up at a sign at just the right time my, my, or a license plate even, you know. I've seen my mm-hmm. dad's name on a license now, all plate. All that stuff is important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I, but just before we end, I just want to ask a little bit about the psychic versus medium. Um, I, I know medium, you're tapping into deceased people, but psychic, you're you're tapping into energy that's still around, Correct. Yeah, well, as a psychic, I tune into somebody's soul. Mm-hmm. And I just ask spirit um, and, and spirit communicate. So that would be more, that's more based on, you know, yeah, opportunities ahead, um, you know, opportunities in the past, even things about people's past. It's not always future-oriented, that's kind of mm-hmm. like a misconception that a psychic, you go and you get, like, get your fortune exactly. told. Exactly. I mean, yes. some, yeah, sometimes future stuff does come through or opportunities, but it's not, it's more looking at your energy, you know, where there's blocks, where, you know, things you can do better, um, thing, you know, things like, things like that. That's important. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I mean, I would say it in a way... I prefer, I probably prefer being a medium, um, but that's only because people are so difficult with psychic stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so people will be like, you know, they, you know, mediumship is more, I mean, it's right in the moment. It's like your mother died. This was her name. Right. Um, your mother died. You know, this was your last words to her. I mean, it's either yes or no. I mean, you can't really, I mean, it's either their name or not. Right. Mm-hmm. But with psychic stuff, there's such a level of interpretation. I find that people are more, you know, they, they just go in a different direction with that and stuff. So, you know, I think when I first, you know, which is, is normal, you know, I think my work has evolved. Mm-hmm. I think when I first started doing readings, it was probably even more future oriented, more predictive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really don't do as much of that now. And now I really am focused much more on mediumship. Though it's interesting because a lot of times I find as I focused on that, that the mediumship comes through and they will bring through information to, that will be guiding to that person um, in the future. So they'll say something like, you know, they may say, they may not say, hey, you're meeting a boyfriend in six months. But mm-hmm. they will say, be more open to new people. You're too closed down. You know, you're not putting yourself out there enough. And if you want to make new friends or, you know, find somebody to fall in love with, you need to be more open to meeting new people. So that's kind of more of a message rather than, you know, telling somebody, you know, uh, their next boyfriend's, you know, social security number and name, which is not going to happen. <laughs> oh, that was going to be my next question. Oh, no. <laughs> well, and I think too, um, just from my own studies, you know, if I'm sitting here wanting a boyfriend in the worst way and picturing him and, you know, playing the law of attraction with every 
detail. And then I see you as a psychic. I mean, you could pick up on that energy, you know, of who I created mentally. And who knows? You know, I, I think right. within each one of us human beings, you know, we're each on our own individual journey. And oh gosh, it's so easy to want the answers from somebody outside of ourselves. But we have to go on our own paths. We have to fail. And then in the failure, there's success. I mean, that's just like, that's where the juiciness is in life. You know, that's so. totally, that's, I think that's, that's totally about it. And, and a lot of times, you know, people will say that, why did I have to have that person? And I'll tell them, well, you know, that, that could have been a learning experience. I mean, you know, even certain, you know, and I, I do believe that. I mean, I, I think about that in me, even in my own life, you know, I right. think, why did I have to have a crazy father? I mean, it's right. just, it seems like why on earth would I have chosen that person? But I do know that probably for me to become compassionate um, the way I am and things like that, I think that probably that was who I needed to have, you know? So. Yeah. And, and you sure are a diamond from it all. I think you're great. Okay. <laughs> I did. Well, yeah, I got crazy stuff that's happened in my past and without it, it would, I would, ne- there's no way I would be talking about the afterlife or even interested in it or having the show. And I have this just sneaky su- suspicion that when we all meet up in the afterlife, it'll be like, you know what? I had to be this crazy person so that you would do this, you know? Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know, but I use that to empower me. Yeah. True. Yeah. Well, Thomas, any closing words or is there something like I should have asked you that I didn't or any just final thoughts before we close no, out the I episode? No, I think this was been a fabulous, yeah, I think this was a fabulous interview and I appreciate you taking the time to do it. And um, I just, you know, I want people to know and be aware that, um, <clears throat> you know, that um, they, you know, I'd love to connect with as many people in person as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at, you know, I, I do have many uh, events coming up and, uh, a lot of people ask me that, you know, oh, God, you know, what if I go and I don't get a reading? Well, that does happen yes. sometimes in a larger group. But I always find that if you go, and I'm sure you've had this if you've been to demonstrations before, but even if you don't get a message specifically, um, it can be so uplifting to have those connections um you know, just just to hear other people's validations and connections, I think that can be a great way to you know get get information and and just feel more connected to spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and literally, when I watched your episodes, I watched when the first one was being shown <laughs> live um, of Seatbelt Psychic. But when I went back and watched them all, it's like uh, you know, I just turned to the empty seat on the couch and started talking to my grandmother. You know, <laughs> and that's just by nature of that. Like you really get it. So yes, it would be great if we each get our own personal message and it's all possible. I like the sound of your uh, spirit circles too, but yeah, that's um, transformational. It has us live a different life, not a victim to I life, think that's true. but be in the driver's seat of our life, that our lives are for a purpose, that we count, that we matter. And, you know, one of my biggest that's not really a fear these days, but like, I don't want to close my eyes on planet earth the last time and think, Oh, I should have done this. I should have said this, you know, if we can play out, play full out in our life and, and take risks and go for it um, with that faith that the afterlife is real, that our life is for a reason. You know, it's the biggest gift we can give someone, I think. I think that's true too. Yeah. Well, my friend, I am here to always support you and share what you're up to. Uh, and Thomas, thank you for being our guest today. Thanks for having me, Sandra. Oh, it's easy, easy. And I'm really, I got a big smile on my face. And for our listener, thank you for being here. As a reminder, Thomas's website is mediumthomas.com and you can Google him and check him out. He's doing all kinds of great things. Seatbelt Psychic is the name of the TV show. There's lots of videos that he has online that I've seen. And um, you're just a spectacular human being. And me as a budding medium who's taken enough mediumship courses to know that it's within me, you've really inspired me to want to um, explore that and have the integrity within myself. And, you know, spirit does keep knocking at my door for it. So I'm going to have to start listening. So thank you. (laughs) 
And also for our listener, the Afterlife Symposium is just a few weeks away, depending on when you're listening to this. It's in September 2018 in Scottsdale, Arizona. Over 50 speakers speaking about the afterlife. You can go to afterlifesymposium.org to find out more. Home base for this show is we don't die radio.com. And I've got a free gift, several free gifts for you there, including uh, my audio on how to survive grief and so much more. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, and I am always delighted to be your host on We Don't Die Radio. And I do believe with all my heart that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.